All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash ownyourstyle. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox and Tiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Okay, so very honored to be joined by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi today, author, anti-racist activist, professor, historian. I mean, the list goes on for sure. And first, I'll just say congratulations on your newest addition to what you put out into the world, which is your podcast, which is called Be Anti-Racist. And let's start with that in the beginning, like why you titled it Be Anti-Racist, because I've heard you talk about this before of like sometimes people are wanting to become anti-racist versus being. And I know that there's a difference and that word is very important. So can you talk to me about that? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Amy, for having me on the show. And I want us to understand that anti-racist is not a fixed category. And even racist isn't a fixed category. These are descriptive terms that describe what a person is being in any given moment based on what they're doing or saying or or, or not doing. And, and so I, I don't want people to, to go from saying, I am not racist, <laughs> that's who I am, that's my identity, to then saying, 
I am anti-racist. That's who I am. That's my identity. So there's nothing that I actually have to do. When indeed it, it, there is something you have to do and you have to be anti-racist. It's an action, uh, you know, not an identity. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to realize that. And I think for some of us, there's times in life where we've been in denial of our racism. And I appreciate your transparency with that. And I loved your cancer analogy. I think that's a very helpful comparison so I didn't know if maybe you could share a little bit of that with us here, because that may resonate with people that might be in denial. Sure. So yeah, I in in January of, of 2018, when I was actually in the middle of writing how to be an anti-racist, I was diagnosed with, with stage four colon cancer. And so literally had to to fight cancer at the same time I was just sort of on the deep end or in the deep end of, of writing this book on, on being anti-racist. And so I, I began to see the parallels be, between racism and, 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 and metastatic cancer. But that the first parallel, which I haven't spoken as much about, but, but I think the first parallel is, is what happens when you're diagnosed. And so, you know, anyone who is, who themselves have been diagnosed with cancer, who a loved one is being diagnosed with cancer, when that diagnosis comes down, it is devastating. You know, it hurts. It hurts people deeply. On the same token, it hurts people when they're diagnosed as being racist. But when, when a person is diagnosed as having cancer, they don't think that the person who made that diagnosis is trying to hurt them, even though they feel hurt. If anything, they're like, oh, this person wants me to get treatment. And it's the same thing when when those of us specifically who, who have diagnostic tools, who, who, have, who have an understanding of, of what it means and what it looks like when a person is being racist, when we diagnose that person, we want that person to stop, to change, to get better, to get treatment. Uh, and, and the treatment is actually very similar, uh, whether we're talking about a society or even a person. In the case of a society, you know, the treatment is surgically removing the racist policies, you know, and how do we know that policies are racist? Because we can see the tumor cells of racial disparity and inequity. And then we also flood the body politic with anti-racist policies that can reduce the size of the tumors of inequity and even prevent their reoccurrence. That's what we can do. And, and that's what we must do to, to create a healthy republic. I've heard you say before that, you know, someone might be soaking wet and then you offer them an umbrella and then they're like, no, no, I'm good. I'm not wet. I don't need your umbrella. But it's because the way you put it, the racism has been raining on us for so long that we don't even see it. We don't even see it in our own selves. Mm -hmm. So therefore, yeah, someone's kindly trying to offer something to us that might help us out. And like you were saying, even with the treatment, I th feel like right away, though, we sometimes get defensive. Yeah. I know I did. I felt like I am an adopted mom of two Haitian children, and I had to go through a lot of training as an adopted parent, especially, you know, being white. There were certain things I wasn't going to be able to relate when it comes to my son and my daughter and making sure that I have particularly I have other Haitians in my life. I live in Nashville and we make sure to have them over to the house and they cook the Haitian food and keeping that culture a part of them. But not just that, they can actually be a mentor of sorts and be there for them and someone that they can go to and relate to. And there was even stuff last year in particular, especially when I 
picked up your book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, that even I found myself getting a little defensive at times. But then when I paused and I sat with it, I realized like, oh, no, it's almost like it just was being peeled back or I had on these glasses and they were slowly being lifted off my face. And I realized like how I was at times yeah, contributing to the problem. So I just appreciate your work so much and how you put it out there and you've made it your life's mission. I feel like if I were to sum you up, like you're all about just freeing us from the racism. I'm happy you use the term freeing because if I agree with you, if, if, if we were to sum it up that, you know, the more we adopt anti-racist ideas, the more we're not only free to, to see different people's you know, as, as either the same or on the same level, you know, as us, but we're also no longer so easily manipulated. And when you're easily manipulated by racist ideas, you're easily controlled. Yeah. And some of it starts when we're, we're so young too. What is the importance of instilling the anti-racist values in our children? So the unfortunate truth is that we live in an unequal society. We, We live in a society where two-year-olds, three-year-olds, five-year-olds, 10-year-olds in most communities can see that the sort of wealthier sides of town are predominantly white and, and, and the poor sides of towns are predominantly, you know, black, brown and indigenous. Young people can see that and they can see skin color, even though we imagine that they're colorblind. They know the differences between brown, you know, and light brown, um, just as they know the differences between orange and green, right? But what they're seeing is they're trying to understand why this exists. They're trying to understand why that racial inequality exists that they see. And generally speaking, there's messages verbally and non-verbally that are telling them that certain people have more because they are more and other people have less because they are less. And so as parents, if we put our children out in a dangerously unequal society with these racist ideas swirling, what's going to happen to them? (laughs) You know, I mean, and, and so what I've been saying is that I think first we have to recognize that our children are trying to understand racial inequality. And we can actively say to them that, you know, no, this group does not have more because they are more. No, this group doesn't have less because they are less. You can actively say to, you know, a Haitian American child that there's nothing wrong with you because of the color of your skin. You can say to a, you know, a white American child, there's nothing special about you because of the color of your skin. Now you're special when you're nice and when you're hardworking, but it's not because of your skin color. If we don't actively teach our children this, what else are they going to ultimately conclude about where why racial inequality exists? I feel like as proactive as I try to be with my children, yeah, stuff is just everywhere. My son even said the other day that he wanted to bleach his skin and I don't I don't want to get emotional like but I just paused and I just looked at him and I just wanted to do everything in my power to assure him how beautiful his skin was. And I certainly then as a parent started to question, I hope I didn't in a way contribute, not that I put that in his head, but then, I mean, he he does have an adoptive white mom and, and white dad. So am I in a way, even though I'm not saying or doing anything, but just my physically, my my skin being white. But yeah, I just tried to to pour into him that 
he has loved. I don't know if you have any advice for me for that comment. For a long time, from roughly 1950s up until about 10 to 15 years ago, scholars believed that parents and teachers had a dominant influence on the racial attitudes of children. What recent research is finding is that parents and teachers actually have less influence than is commonly thought. And that actually the social and racial environment, which includes classmates, which includes messages a child is seeing on TV or in books, has a pretty significant influence on the racial attitudes of children. And, and so it's it's because of that, it's hard to say like what role I would have played if, if my daughter said that, or if, you know what role you would have played if, if your daughter said that. But what I do know, when we think of the media, you know, white is beautiful is a dominant idea. Um, I mean, it's just a dominant idea. And, you know, even as adults, we can reject it, but but a child, it's hard for them to know that that's not right. Right. And so th the way we can do that is actively teaching away from that. You know, I, I think it's important for parents of, of children of color to ensure that they're bringing in books into the home, that they're teaching that talk about the beauty of dark skin, to speak against those dominant ideas that even sort of encourage them to play with dolls that are similarly beautiful, encourage them to watch shows like Doc Stuffin and others that that sort of normalize you know, dark-skinned children. We just have to, as parents, actively teach teach against this. What's sticking with me too is I know I've got a lot of parents listening that are raising white kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said just because of the color of their skin, they're not more special. I don't know if you have any other tips for parents that are listening, because I know there's a lot happening in the media that is influencing our kids, but we still have a responsibility at home to implement things such as that, which I thought that was a great example. So I think it's first important for parents of white children to know that just as a, a Black child can say, you know, I want to bleach my skin white, a white child can say, I'm happy my skin is white. It's the same idea. And they, they're thinking that because they see whiter skinned as superior. And so so just as that, that parent of, of kids of color sh should be introducing characters in books and in, in, in stories and in shows that show the sort of beauty of all the different skin colors, you know, so so too should should parents of, of white children. But one thing that I think researchers are finding, um, specifically as relates to 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 all children, but also including white children, is our nonverbal language as parents, especially for younger children. Um, what I mean by younger children is you know preschool, elementary, middle school children is actually more influential than our verbal language about race. And what I mean by nonverbal language is things like our kids see who our friends are, you know, so that they see who comes to our home. Our kids uh, see that when we're walking down the street and and a, and a, and a, and a white guy passes, we, we don't get a little fearful. But then when that black guy passes, you know, someone clutches their purse. Our kids see everything that we do that we don't even say. So I think we have to really police, for the lack of a better term, our nonverbal racial language with our kids. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the parents that might be doing some of those things, it's been passed down. Yeah. Like it's something that their parents did. And then those, you know, and it's just something that follows us until we start to actually implement the change. And I think that that's helpful for a lot of the parents listening to hear. Now, that's like a step for if you're a parent and what you can do with your kids, but an adult that 
maybe someone's listening right now that has no kids. First, I want to back up and have you define the definition of racist and then also of anti-racist. Can you break that down? Sure. So I define racist as someone who is expressing an idea of racial hierarchy or supporting a policy that is leading to racial inequity with their action or inaction. And, and I define anti-racist as the very opposite. Someone who is expressing an idea of racial equality or supporting a policy that is leading to racial equity with their action. And so inherent in those two definitions is first that these aren't fixed sort of terms. It's like someone who is, so in, in other words, you can be described as racist or anti-racist based on what you're saying or based on the type of policy that you're supporting in any given moment. And so in one moment, you can say Black people are lazy which is a connotation of racial hierarchy, which is a racist idea. And then in that moment, you're being racist. If in the next moment, let's say you're supporting Medicare for all, which would then eliminate racial disparities in uninsurance rates, which then would create equity, at least as it relates to uninsurance and uninsurance, then you're being anti-racist. And in the very next moment, you know, these are descriptive terms. And so it's really on us to think about, is that idea connoting that a certain group is better or worse or than, than another? Is that policy leading to more equity or inequity? So now that those are defined in learning how to be anti-racist for an adult, what is step one? in your mind? Step one is definitions. That's why in How to Be an Anti-Racist, I anchor every chapter on, on a definition. So, and to define a few more terms, racist idea is any concept that suggests a racial group is superior or inferior to another racial group in any way. So it's for us to be like, based on the definition that we now hold, that idea that I just said, is it a racist idea? An anti-racist idea is the very opposite. Any idea that suggests the racial groups are, are equals. And, and so those def definitions allow us to assess our ideas. Same thing with policy is any measure that leads to racial inequity or injustice between groups is a racist policy and an anti-racist policy is the very opposite, which is, you know, any measure that leads to racial equity or justice between groups. And so again, it, you know, having definitions allow us to assess ourselves, you know, assess ourselves and, and improve ourselves. I would feel in your position, sometimes different people that you maybe encounter, it can get a little discouraging. What is something that gives you hope? Like what keeps you going? It is likely, it's hard to know for sure, you know, about the the viewpoints of, of, of the American people of, you know, the hundreds of millions of people here. But based on surveys over the last year, it's likely that there has never been more Americans who recognize not only the existence of racism, but that it's a big problem. It reached as high as 76% last June. And so if, you know, we have a governing majority of Americans who, who see racism as a problem, as a big problem. And, and so that certainly, you know, gives me hope. We just have to now turn that awareness, obviously, into action. <laughs> just certainly not easy. I think no. <laughs> even for the people that do become aware and they want to do something, they're like, wait, but, but what? <laughs> what do I do? We're big on gratitude here and it's the Four Things podcast. So I often have guests just share with me four things that they are currently thankful for the day that I'm talking with them. So could be big things, small things, but just kind of lets us get to know you on a on a day-to-day -day level. So can you share with us four things that you're thankful for today? 
So I'm thankful that my mother recently turned, you know, 70 years old and, you know, she's still strong and fabulous and, 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 and really living, you know, life to the fullest. And we were able to all get together and celebrate her, you know, on, on Independence Day weekend. And so I'm, you know, I'm just thankful for her and, and thankful we were able to do that. As a long suffering New York Knicks fan, um, I'm thankful that the Knicks made the playoffs, even though we lost quickly this past year. You know, I am thankful, really thankful for my colleagues at the Center for Anti-Racist Research at, you know, at BU and, and you know, all that we're, we're building. And of course, I'm just, of course, very thankful for my, for my wife, Sadiqa, and my daughter, uh, Imani, who keep me on my toes. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing those four things with us. And I'm sure it takes takes a lot to do what y'all are doing, a lot of people on your team and the difference that y'all are making is super important, especially part of that difference being your podcast and the resources, more and more resources. You just keep putting stuff out there for us to consume. And I appreciate that. So I just want to encourage people to listen to it as another resource for themselves. It's a weekly interview show where you're challenging people to consider what an anti-racist society might look like and how we as individuals and even communities can play an active role in building it. So if people are listening right now and they're like, okay, yeah, I, I do want to start, then maybe by listening to that, they can start to hear ideas of how they can start implementing the policies and the change. Yes. Yeah. And that's precisely how we've structured the podcast to, to really dig deep on different forms of racism, you know, with a compelling expert to really think through what, what each of us can do to tackle voter suppression or to tackle the intersection of racism and ableism or, you know, racism and, and homophobia or to tackle, you know, racism in sport, you know, and, and, and so that's why we're calling it an action podcast. Well, I love it. And I just would encourage people, yes, to check it out. I think part of too, another thing that we're big on here is trying to keep an open mind yeah. and wanting to evolve and grow and learn and not just remain stuck and repeating the cycle. Exactly. And I actually really do appreciate open-minded people who tell me, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. And, you know, I've read it. I just don't agree because at least they, they listen, at least they're considering. And ultimately we can continue the conversation and, you know, I can change or they can change. And, but ultimately, I mean, it's that open-mindedness that I think is the key to to unity, which is a lot of us have been talking about we don't have. We, we you know, have to be open-minded in order to get there. Thank you, Dr. Ibram, for coming on and joining us today. And I'll be linking all of your books and resources in the show notes. So I encourage people to check it all out. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me on. All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. 
You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us so we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results... Well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. 
Start Ritual, or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Second thing. So something we do on the Bobby Bone Show is a segment called Tell Me Something Good. And we've even got like some little theme music. I won't play it here, but it's like, tell me something good from that song. So what I'm going to do is bring a little bit of that to today's episode because I saw a story that really ties into the theme of today's episode. And it's just a positive story, which is what Tell Me Something Good is all about because the news is so full of negativity that it's our way of highlighting really awesome positive stories that are out there as well. So this is something that I pulled from the news. There were several outlets that reported on it. So um, this one in particular happens to be from Fox. Okay, almost 70 years after she was married, Martha May Ophelia Moon Tucker finally got to try on a wedding dress. Martha is 94 years old of Birmingham, Alabama, and she got married in 1952 when black women were not allowed in bridal shops. So instead of a white gown, she wore a navy blue dress. Recently, she was watching the movie Coming to America with her granddaughter, and during the wedding scene, she revealed her lifelong dream to at least go and try on a real legit wedding dress. Well, her granddaughter was able to make that happen. She took her grandma to a local David's bridal shop where she tried on two wedding dresses. So local makeup artist even gave Tucker a makeover before the dress appointment. So they went all out. And uh, when they arrived at David's bridal, she explained the situation to the employees the granddaughter did. And everyone was so excited to help her out. Everyone was catering to her every need. And, you know, she obviously said she really enjoyed trying on the dresses and it was so special. She said she couldn't even express how special it was that she's been wanting to do that for a long, long time. And yeah, it was 70 years after her big day, uh, she finally got to try on wedding dresses. So there you go. Little tell me something good. Here we go. So last year, my son Stevenson helped do the artwork for shirts that we made for the Shop Ford's Ally Fund. And, you know, there's a few designs in the line, but just wanted to encourage you to go check them out because all proceeds from each item are donated to organizations that are fighting racial injustice in all forms. And I'm going to share an Angela Davis quote with here for you. And it's, it is not enough to be non-racist. We must be anti-racist. And we've continued to listen and learn, especially since last year. So if you want to support being part of the change, you can check out theshopforward.com slash ally, A-L-L-Y. And I'll also link it in the show notes. And again, all proceeds go towards fighting racial injustice, but just wanted to remind old listeners, or if you happen to be a new listener, that uh, there's a few different items in the line, but one in particular, the Be The Change repeat shirt is in my son Stevenson's handwriting. And he did the artwork when he was nine years old. He's 10 now. So it's just an item that we've had up there since last year. And it's really special. And sometimes I even forget that we have it. So I wanted to let y'all know that it's that it's there. For the final thing in today's episode, I want to leave you with another great resource for learning more. And it's an organization called Be the Bridge. They empower people and culture towards racial healing and reconciliation, 
really. So you can find them and follow them on Instagram. Their handle is be the bridge and their website is be the bridge.com. So definitely encourage you to check them out. That's one of the accounts I follow. I could share many more, but that is definitely a great resource to start with. So I hope you will at least make that follow on Instagram if you've got an account or check out their website and see how you can learn more. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 